today we're talking about, you know, um, how that God really has provided for you and I to walk free from sickness, disease, and pain. And we've, we've talked a lot about what the Word of God says about divine healing. I mean, you know, you could teach on this for years and never, never exhaust the subject because God always has been and always will be a healer. You know, we sing, we were singing a song about the redemptive names of God, right? Jehovah Nisi, right? Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Sholom, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals us. There's seven of those redemptive names, but you know, they are also all over the New Testament. Those redemptive names are all over, but they're a little condensed because if you take all seven of those names and put those names in one person, you would call him Jesus Christ. So when you say Jesus, you're saying everything, but he is the Lord who heals us, right? Well, the Lord has really been stirring me about talking about something that I believe is, is keeping a lot of believers who, who at least hear the word on what it says about healing or God's provision for your life. You know, we stay and live in the word here. And uh, this is what happens to people in our circles. Do you know there's millions of your brothers and sisters that don't know God's a healer? They, they don't know. They think this is like a book, like a book that you can intellectually learn. But you know you don't learn the Bible because the Bible's alive. This is God's word. It's living, right? You don't learn it. I mean, you can. You could mentally memorize scripture and all of this, and actually even memorizing scripture will help you get to the point to where you start seeing it. But you don't learn the Bible. You discern the Bible. So that's why don't worry about if you never opened a book all through high school. I mean, you know, all, if you never went to college, whatever. I mean, I kind of thought high school was for the purpose of playing basketball. I didn't realize it was, you know, you're supposed to kind of learn something along the way, right? And, and there's a lot of stuff in high school that you really don't learn. I remember when I was in the corporate world, when we would hire a new salesman, that I would basically go, congratulations, you got your bachelor's degree, don't really care what it's in. But if it, if it happens to be in anything like marketing or sales or anything like business, basically, congratulations, you had enough discipline to finish that. Now, we're going to teach you how, that really, how it really works in the real world, right? Uh, and, and just so, but the Bible, without the Holy Spirit, thank God for the Holy Spirit, because he is the one that opens this up to us so that we can see it so that we can discern it, right? Well, what happens to people when they sit under the word? Like a lot of times when I'm preaching, I mean, you could see it in people's face. They could finish my sentence. I start quoting a scripture and they could finish it. And they could finish it and they could finish it. But does that mean that they know it? No. There's a big difference between understanding the principle, and even quoting the scripture in your mind, we call that mental assenting to it. There's a big difference from that than when the word opens up on the inside of you 
and you actually now have the word living in you. When the word is living in you, that's where faith is. So in our circles, so many people are going, I've been believing God forever and nothing's happening. This must not work. They get mad at God or what the majority of people, because we live in a, in a church world, you know, especially around here where there's a ton of honor for God. So what we do is we just kind of, we just live our life. And those days got to be over, guys. You, I, I hope that when you come here, you become so tenacious that you're like, I refuse, refuse to live on this earth without walking in all that Jesus provided for me. If, if you're dealing, see, now, when you look at the realm of healing, and we'll, and we'll get into this a little bit, there's one thing that you didn't see in the ministry of Jesus, because it, it was a little different. You, you didn't see people, there's no stories in, in the Gospels about somebody believing God for three years, and then their healing manifests. We didn't see that in the ministry of Jesus. But, you know, we see that now. Smith Wigglesworth, he went home to be with the Lord, a powerful minister out of England. He would literally, I mean, over 20, 20 some confirmed, medically confirmed people raised from the dead. I mean, that's, you know, wow, right? Now, I've been raised from the dead spiritually, so have you. That's great. But I'm talking physical. I mean, there's stories of him literally pulling somebody out of a casket at a viewing. The person would fall in the floor. He'd pick them up and slam them against the wall. Come, I mean, could you have, that'd kind of mess up a visitation, <laughs> right? And then all of a sudden, life comes back into the body. Well, stuff like that. But, but you know he would leave those meetings and go back to his, go back to his room and urinate kidney stones, for seven years in excruciating pain. And he talked about it. He said, you know, laying hold of my healing, although it took seven years for me to lay hold of it, I laid hold of it. It's one of the greatest things in my life. Right? So does that mean that you have to have a long wait? No. When the word's living in you, it's faith. And you lay hold of it. So you have what God's given you. You just can't perceive it with your senses yet. But if you'll stay in faith, you'll see it in your body. And, and when you're in faith, you won't really care. When Satan talks to you about time, talk to him about time. Hey, you want to talk about time? Right? Let's talk about time. Hey, have you noticed how close you are to the end? You are about to be taken chained and thrown in the bottomless pit for a thousand years and that's going to be the greatest of your future after that baby it's the lake of fire forever ha 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 right so don't talk to me about why my knee hasn't amended yet it's the healing power is working it's 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 working in my body you'll see it i'm not worried about it right what am i saying why are people letting go of things. It's because they're not speaking the word of God. Our confession is so important. Now, you know, I mean, I, my wife was gracious to me, and, and so Saturday I taught the men on the power of your confession, 
Now, and then I taught the women. Could you imagine? Come to women's Bible study at Faith Family Church and hear a guy. They're all kind of like, okay, what's he doing here? But, you know, we had a good time, though. It was, it was awesome. So we're going to talk about the power of your confession. Because the Bible says in Psalm 107, verse 2, we always talk about Psalm 107, verse 20, don't we? He sent his word and healed them. Right? He sent his word and healed you. He sent it. When, when did he send his word and heal you? Well, it, about A.D. 30. Right? Uh, almost 2,000 years ago. 1900 and about 93 years ago. Wow. Right? He sent his word and healed us. But boy, if you go back to Psalm 107, verse 2, it says, Let the redeemed of the Lord do what? Say so. You should be walking around all day, every day, speaking about how that you're redeemed. If you're, if you're standing for sickness and disease to be out of your body, Father, I thank you that I've been redeemed from the curse of sickness and disease. If it's poverty and lack, I've been redeemed from the curse of poverty and lack. If you're, if you're dealing with depression or anxiety or terror, right, panic attacks, Father, I thank you. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I've been redeemed from this. It has no legal right. It's got to leave. Does that make sense? I've been given the very life of God. And the Bible says that we're to let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath, 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 past tense, redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Right? Well, I said all that to figure out where we're going this morning. So go to Colossians chapter 1. Man. I kind of need to use my notes today because I've got this new Bible. So, and here I just got all these scriptures. Just go to Colossians chapter 1 and pray for me that I could find something. Have you ever got a new Bible? Nothing is in the right place, right? Wow. Colossians chapter 1 in verse 9. But thank God, although this is a new Bible... It's not new to me, right? It's not new to you either, is it? It's the word of God. Look at what it says here. For this cause, we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So the apostle Paul prayed this for people constantly that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding see you have to be filled with spiritual understanding why because you don't understand this naturally right you understand this spiritually god right now the holy spirit this service is not going to talk to your mind He's going to communicate to your spirit as a child of God. Spirit to spirit. He's intimate, right? Look at what it says in verse 10. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. That you might walk worthy of the Lord. You have to be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding so that you can walk worthy of the Lord 
unto all pleasing. This word worthy means to walk one step at a time in a forward motion, never backwards. It doesn't please God when you go backwards. If you walk down his path, sometimes it looks like you're going backwards, but you never are, right? Walk worthy of him unto all pleasing. That means you are literally, that word pleasing means that God is energizing you to want to please him in every arena of your life. I love that. Wow. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, the revelation knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which has made us meet. In the King James, that's a little vague. That, that Greek word means made us able to be partakers of the saints in light. Who are the saints in light? That's you and I. We, what does that mean? Who have been, who hath delivered us. Hmm. This word delivered means who once and for all delivered us. When you got born again, God literally redeemed you with the precious blood of Jesus. You were born again with his incorruptible word, and the moment you were born again, he took you out of the, del once and for all, out of the delegated influence of darkness, and he placed you into the kingdom of his dear son. Never to be under the delegated influence of darkness again. Yeah, but pastor, I sure feel like I am. Man, these, these demons are giving me problems. No, no, you've been delivered from them. They're lying to you. And you're taking those thoughts as real, and they're not. Amen. And you, you've now come to a position where you have to decide, am I going to believe the word, or am I going to believe what I feel? Amen. Boy, don't believe what you feel. You'll be all over the place. Right, you'll start thinking, man, these demons are really bad, and they're, they're big and bad. And no, they're nothing to a child of God, who hath delivered us once and for all from the power of darkness, and hath translated or transferred us into the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom we have redemption. Wow, through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Now, Colossians, that's awesome. So if, and, and I told, I, I went into this, I don't remember if I did both, but I, 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 we talked about Colossians, maybe in both the men and the women. But if you look at the book of Colossians, like all the epistles, you must understand, and you've heard me talk about this before, the difference between positional truth and temporal truth, okay? Positionally today, if you're born again, you are positionally seated in Christ at the right hand of God the Father, far above all principalities and powers. That's where you are today positionally. Okay? Very important that you know this. Because if you want to walk in your authority, you've got to know where you're seated. Right? Temporally, though, where are you? You're in the sanctuary on the earth, at 9515 Blondo Street, 
Omaha, Nebraska, right? 68134 if you want to know the zip code, right? Positionally, temporally. The first two chapters of Colossians deal and tell you what you who you are positionally in God. Okay? It it just goes into it. Then in chapter 3, and turn to chapter 3, I could find chapter 3 here, in verse 1, chapter 3, verse 1, now the Holy Spirit is inspiring Paul to go, now that I've told you your position, now I'm going to transfer now and tell you how to walk out your position, walk it out temporally with your behavior. So because of who you are, now we're going to find out how to walk this out. So it says in verse 1, If you then be risen with Christ, in the literal Greek it would read like this, since you were risen with Christ, were risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Do you know where Christ sits on the right hand of God is the place of highest power and highest authority. You're seated there, right? It says, since you were risen with Christ, seek. This word seek doesn't just mean like hide and seek, whatever. No, no. This word literally means, literally means to pursue with all of your heart Things that are above. This is why many don't lay hold of their healing or anything from God because they go from, they go from a little moment of seeking God, seeking things above, but then they let their mind wander and they start being concerned with the things down here. And that's why, that's why the church is so weak. That's why many Christians have so many blind spots that they think they're okay, and they're really not. If, if the rapture were to happen, oh, Jesus, man, you'd see him. It'd be amazing, but man, you would shrink back and go, wow, I've been living for myself, right? We don't want that. That's why we teach the word. We, I want you to know what this says. Seek with all of your heart. Seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting. That's great. How do you do that, Tony? Verse 3. Set your affection on things above. Basically, don't set your affection on things of the earth. How, How are you to walk? How do you walk out who you are? How do you lay hold of everything? Do you know this word set? is not a suggestion. If you're born again today, here's the thing you've got to know, and this is, this is so not preached. Christians just like, oh yeah, I'm a, yeah, yeah. Or, or people who say they're Christians, yeah, you know, I, I believe Jesus is God and, and I'm a Christian. But don't you ever tell me what to do. I'm going to live my own life. I'm going to do my own thing. And it's like, well, time out. Have you read your Bible? Your life's not your own. If Jesus is your Lord, then he's your Lord, right? 
Boy, if you could get that right, that will make you so uncomfortable in your flesh, but it will bring so much life into you, but it will, it will literally cause freedom to come into your life because you'll realize, wow, I could control my flesh. If you never realize that Jesus is your Lord, you'll just live out the desires of your flesh and miss the plan of God for your life, right? And so this word set is the king, and, king of kings, Lord of lords, our great redeemer, the creator of the universe. He is commanding you. This is in the commanding tense in the Greek. I command you to set your affection on things above. I command you to never set your affection on things below. Why would he say that? Because to be carnally minded is death. And he doesn't, he redeemed you from death. He doesn't want you touching it. Or I should say it this way, he doesn't want death touching you at all. Right? So set your affection. Set your affection. Wow. Your affection. This Greek word affection means, it means to exercise your mind. It literally means to direct one's mind to a thing. You have to make a decision. If you're believing God, because remember, New Testament scripture, we obtain all the promises of God, how? Through faith and patience, right? You have to deliberately make a decision. Now, do you have to be strong enough to do this? You're going to see that God will empower you to do it. All you got to do is be willing and obedient. You don't even need to know how. Right? No, don't worry about that. You have the guy who, is, who is, knows the how. He's the mighty Holy Spirit. He's God, and he's on the inside of you. So you have to deliberately set your affection. You have to literally cause your mind to be pointed, to think on things above. You tell your mind, we are fixing our eyes on things above, not on this earth. This word means to seek, to strive. It denotes I'm forcing my mind to think, and it's, it's a thought with desire. I am choosing to hunger and thirst after the living God. I am go Guys, this is the difference right here. You want to lay hold of things, that's how you got to do it. Because otherwise, this is what you'll do. You will literally, you'll seize hold. If you have a moment of faith, you'll go, yeah, it's true. This is provided for me. Healing, provision, whatever it is. You'll reach out with the hand of faith and you believe you receive them. You believe you receive it. And your eyes are on the word. And then what happens is your body starts getting a little, it hurts a little more. The diagnosis goes the wrong direction. Things don't work the way you think they should. And on all of a sudden, how, why would you think, why, this, why is this happening to me? Do you know what that statement literally means? You're not, you're not focused on things above. And if you're not, this is what you're going to do. You're going to let it go. Now the good news is, if you let it go, guess what the Holy Spirit's going to be doing? He's just going to be encouraging you, pick it back up, Right? So let's keep going with this. 
This thing's blowing my pages all over the place. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. Why? For you are dead. Praise God, Pastor. I'm so glad I got up today to come to church <laughs> to find out that I'm dead, right? You are a fully alive dead person, right? For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Why are you able to do that? Because, man, you're dead. You're dead to sin, you're dead to the flesh, and you're alive to God. So now you can do this. Wow. So now, how does this pertain to things? You know, actually, go, go to Hosea chapter 4. Hosea chapter 4, in verse, we're going to look at verse 6. Now, if you don't know where Hosea is, just go to Daniel and turn right, and you'll be at Hosea. It's right after Daniel, okay? And don't judge anybody next to you if they're opening their Bible and it goes, because like they've never been there, okay? Just think, after today, you, it won't happen anymore, right? In Hosea 4.6, I'm not going to talk about the end of the verse because it deals specifically with Israel, but the first part of the verse, it really deals with a principle, God says this, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. So you have the people of God, they chose to reject knowledge. And they're destroyed because of that. Now the word destroyed is interesting because the word destroyed in the Hebrew language means you are silenced, you're silenced, your mouth is silenced, which cuts you off from the covenant that you have so that you cannot take part of the covenant. Do you know your covenant is voice activated? When you believe the word in your heart, when you speak the word out of your mouth that you believe in your heart, it brings the power of God, the presence of God. Jesus himself watches over his word to perform it. Healing is already yours. You own it. And when you believe that you receive that and then you speak it, I declare in Jesus' name, don't care what I, how I feel, don't care what any report of the natural says, I believe God's word, Father, I thank you. You sent your word and healed me. I've been redeemed from the curse of the law, so sickness and disease, you're leaving my body, and I'm never moving from that, right? And you'll never hear me say I'm sick. You'll hear me say a lot that I'm healed, right? So when I do that, Jesus performs it. What happens? The healing power of God comes right out of my spirit from the Holy Spirit. It starts quickening my body, healing, restoring the health, making whole my mortal body. And it all, faith always works from the invisible to the visible. When he cursed the fig tree, what did he do? It dried up from the root. You would, if you were waiting to see it, you, you, would not, you would be the last to know. Right? It took over 24 hours 
for that tree to look dead, which is supernatural. Go cut a tree down in your yard. It'll look alive for a long time, right? But this was dried up from the root. That's why when you believe you receive, literally, the spiritual attack against your body is broken, and then healing starts working its way out, right? When Jesus rebuked the storm, what did he do? He rebuked the wind, the unseen, and then spoke to the sea. Peace, be still. Unseen to the seen, right? My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge because they've rejected knowledge. And this word knowledge, it literally is the word discernment. It is knowledge that has been revealed to you by the Holy Spirit. We know because it, th this word is used 90 times in the Old Testament. And I, I, in, here in Isaiah 11:2, it literally says that the spirit, the spirit of the Lord was upon Jesus, prophesying of him. And, and part of that is the spirit of knowledge. It uses that word. That's how we know. This is talking about revelation knowledge. If you don't have revelation knowledge of the word because you've put it first place, if you don't have that, you won't ever speak the word. You, you won't. It won't be in abundance in your heart. And this is where most people are. Do you know how many people are going to church today because it's a religious act? Right? Right? Do you know there's people here today, there's people watching online, that this is their religious act? And God's going, this is real. This is real. Now, don't get down on yourself if you're sitting here today going, yeah, pastor, that's great, but, you know, we want to go to First Watch and have breakfast. Can you hurry up? Right? Because I'm not going to read my Bible. Right? You look at a person's Bible, and what? Five years into it, their Bible looks like this. Yikes. You know what that means? That means your life is a mess, and you probably know it, but you might not. But those days are over, guys. God wants you to lay hold of eternal life. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, just know I love you guys. Every time the Lord has me say something a little hard, I'm just like, okay, I got to make sure this is not my flesh. But it's not. I mean, my biggest thing that what burns in my heart for a Christian is that they stop beating themselves up. Give, you, give yourself a break. If you're not living where you're supposed to live right now, you know it. You know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know whether or not you have meditated in the word this week. Right? And we don't want a show of hands of that. Because we don't want to give anybody an opportunity to lie. Because then you're going to have, right? But just change it. Because I'm not going to stand up here and, and give you some flowery sermon and tell you that you could know God and walk in his blessing if you don't do it, if you're just a good person. That has nothing to do with it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Should I have you guys quote, I love my pastor, right? <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's go to Psalm 119. Let's look at verse 65. Let's talk about God's word. Now, this is God 
This is all God breathed. In Psalm 119, verse 65, it says, Thou hast dealt well with thy servant, O Lord. How does God deal with his servant in the Old Testament, with his children in the New Testament? Right here, he deals with us according to his word. This is the final authority. I'm telling you, if you will give yourself to this, you will actually meet yourself. You will find out who you really are. Because if you don't, now if you're in pride, you might think you're something when you're really not. But if you meet yourself, you'll be like, wow, my identity is in him. He's got a plan for my life that's amazing. And you'll stop playing the game of, well, I'll do this. You know, I, I like that blessing part. I like that healing part. But, you know, that Pastor Dave, he gets up every service and he's talking about that giving stuff. I'm not doing that. And, oh, and the forgiveness stuff, forget it. Right? Because I was really hurt by a person. And that person really, and I, and I you know, I still don't understand why that happened. It, let me just solve that problem for you. Because Satan yeah. is on the earth. That's why it happened, okay? So, but here's the deal. I, and, and guys, we got to get this right. Wow, now I'm going to get into your message. So we have major ministers that preach phenomenal messages on forgiveness, but you got to be careful because they will, they will say you got to forgive, Right? But then, with the same breath, they will use examples in the Bible and they will say, well, see, God allowed that to happen for his bigger purpose. Time out. Is my God a manipulator? Do you know if I'm preaching the word and I say anything to try to get you to do something? Do you know what that's called? That's called manipulation. At its purest form, it's witchcraft and God hates it. Right? God's out. I start doing that, he's out. Lampstand's gone, good feeling gone. Go to breakfast, find a new church, pray for me, right? Because God doesn't want any of that. And here's the thing. God, you got to understand when you read about, you know, well, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, God allowed them to go into that fiery furnace. He allowed Daniel to go into the lion's den. He allowed Joseph. He, he allowed it because he wanted to save his nation. So he allowed Joseph to go into prison to be sold as a slave and all this stuff for his bigger purpose. And if you believe that, you're in a ditch over here. Did God allow it? Well, if anything happens, he does have the power to stop it. But why doesn't he stop it? Because he would have to violate his very word, which is his very nature. He gave man a free will, and man chose wrong. And everything that happened... Listen, do you know that story about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Wouldn't be in the Bible unless they would have stayed in faith. Had they not been in faith, guess what would have happened? 
ashes, right? Daniel in the lion's den, wow. No, he wouldn't have even hit the bottom of that lion's den if he wasn't in faith because he would have been ripped to shreds by those lions and there'd be another story with another guy because God would look for a man or, you know, by man, I'm talking male or female. Joseph, if he didn't stay in faith, guess what? He wouldn't have been in second of command in Israel. So in other words, see, sovereignty. God is sovereign. And God set this thing up, and he made man, and he gave him authority in this earth. And he gave him dominion, and he gave him a free will. And then he said, now listen, you could eat of all these trees, but don't eat of this one. And everything bad that happened in the world started when he, when Adam, eyes wide open, just chose not to do what God said. So now, how, do you, how does that fit? Listen, God, here's rule number one of sovereignty, never forget it. This doctrine is so deep in the church right now, it's going to be fun in the next few years seeing this thing eradicated from the church because people are just going to go, it's going it, to, I can't deal with this. I know this is not God. They're going to they're literally empty churches that are teaching this nonsense and run to churches that are teaching the word. Rule number one of sovereignty. How did I get in all this? Rule number one of sovereignty. Your will trumps God's will in your life. Ouch. See, our self-centeredness in our flesh hates that. Right now, there could be people turning off the TV. Shut that. Let's go to somebody else. I have that pastor in Omaha. Are you kidding me? Right? Listen, you got to understand that. If you want to violate the word of God, an angel will not appear. I mean, God commanded you to set your mind on things above. If you ever start getting your mind on things below, have you ever had an angelic being appear with a flaming sword and just go, listen, change it now or your history. I'm starting at your ankles because I'm in a bad mood today, right? No, you know, right? No, you never, you never see that. But what you see is when you go through something, if you will believe God, God will turn it. And you'll come out of the furnace and you won't even smell like you've ever been there. That is complete restoration and healing in your life. When you come out of the lion's den, I'm going to ask Daniel. I mean, I know he never had a scratch. Even, I mean, those lion's dens, they were deep. But, you know, he probably landed on a bunch of fur perfectly, right? So he just kind of, and then he, he probably looked at the biggest, baddest one who's sitting there. They can't get their claws out. They're looking at Daniel, can't open their mouth. And he's like, yeah, I think I'm going to lay on you tonight. I'm going to go to sleep, right? I bet he didn't even smell like lions. He came out as if he had never been. When you saw Joseph in second in command of all of Egypt, the most powerful nation on the planet of its day, you would have never, he never looked like he ever was in prison. Ever. He'd be, I mean, he'd be dressed in just 
perfect, I mean the most expensive jewelry, everything, you would never think last week this guy was in a dungeon. In the same way, no matter what the enemy tries to do to you, if you will believe God, he will bring you out. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because he's with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort and they protect me. He anoints my head so my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life. That's, we've got to get that little adjustment. Because if you don't know that and you think God is, you know, why did he allow this? If, if, if the enemy will try to get you to, to go from him allowing it to, well, you know, he did it because he has a big, bigger purpose for you. And, and that never really works because you're like, well, I just love the Lord anyway. But you could see it in people's faces. It makes no sense, right? You got to know this. God has provided in his word everything for us. And this is how you walk in it. He deals with you according to his word. Okay? Now, you guys got to help me. I'm going a little slow. I have so many scriptures in me that I don't think I'm going to get here. Uh, but that's okay. Wow, I just need to kind of calm down. I'm so excited right now. There, I can't tell you the anointing. It's, it's just there's anointing for this. God wants you to walk and experience his love, his freedom, his deliverance, his blessing. He wants you to walk in all of it. Oh, man, that's just beat, beating in my heart. Let's go to Numbers chapter 14. So he deals with you according to his word. Numbers chapter 14. We'll look at verse 28. Numbers chapter 14, verse 28. The children of Israel basically are to go into the promised land. Ten spies are sent, right? Or I'm sorry, 12 spies are sent, and they come back. Now for 600 years, God told the children of Israel, I have given you this land. He told them that over and over and over for 600 years. So Moses sends these 12 spies, right, to go spy out the land, not to tell us whether or not we can have it. No, to go in. They were military guys to go in and find out, okay, what's the best way to go in here? But they come back, and 10 of the 12 spies have 10 reasons why they can't possess what God said he's given them for 600 years. Only two of them, Joshua and Caleb, said, oh, no, 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 it's a great land, let's go do it. Only two came back with a good report. The 10 came back with an evil report of unbelief. God, at the end of this thing, says this, after he says, listen, all these people, 
from 20 years old and up are not going in. Right? They said they can't have it. They won't have it. And then he finishes that whole statement and even says, except Joshua and Caleb, they're going to go in. In other words, God says this. He says it at the very end, and now he gives you an oracle of God, which is a never-ending, never-ending law of God. As long as God's alive, which is forever, this law will be intact. So in other words, June 4th of 2023, this law is intact. We saw in, we saw in Psalm that, that there's a law here. God deals with us according to his word. Now look at what this one says. Say unto them, he's telling Moses to say this to the children of Israel, as truly as I live, that's an oracle of God. It's an unchanging, never-ending law. As long as I live, saith the Lord, or the, the literal Hebrew would read, as I am eternal, so is this law eternal. Wow. And then he says this, as you have spoken in my ears. Wait a minute, were they talking to God? No, they were talking to Moses. Same thing. Right? When you say the word doesn't work, guess who you're talking to? You're praying. Yikes. No, you're talking to God. He hears it because he's watching. He's watching over his word to perform it, and, and, and he deals with you according to his word. But also, look at this. We also see, as you have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. Now, this is an interesting statement. This was translated into the causative tense in the Hebrew language. It's a verb. In the Young's literal, it would read like this, so do I not to you. In other words, whatever you say in my ears, so am I going to allow in your life. That, so in other words, God deals with you and I according to his word and according to our word. This is why the word for confession in the New Testament is homo logeo. Okay, this is an object lesson. His word, our word. Homo logeo is this. Our words, we're to speak his word. That's it. And we're to hold fast to that. We'll talk more about this. This is so important. So will I do to you. So let's look at a New Testament example in this. I bet you, can you guess where that's at? Let me give you a clue. It's in the 11th chapter of Mark. Right? Mark chapter 11, look at verse 23. Now remember... God deals with us according to his word, but it's also according to what we say. So although God says, I want you blessed, if you're saying, I can't have what you said you gave me, guess who's going to win that one, right? And it doesn't please God. He wants you to have it. The New Testament says things like, listen, if God would not withhold his only son 
he would never, I mean, how much more would he freely give you all things? Right? That's good preaching, Pastor. Wow. Wow. So glad I came to church today. Verse 23, after Jesus says in verse 22, have the faith of God, now he's going to talk about the operation of the faith of God as it pertains to when things come against you from the enemy. Circumstances, situations, how do you deal with it? It's, this is how you deal with it in verse 23. He says, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever will say unto this mountain that's coming against you, sickness, poverty, emotional torment, torment, torment from the enemy, anything that you're dealing with, whosoever shall say to the mountain, so in other words, you don't talk to God about the mountain, you talk to the mountain. Right? And what do you do? Be removed, be cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. Do you know how much... See, what are we talking about? We're talking about our confession. So in other words, God's going to deal with you according to his word. He watches over it to perform it. But he's also going to deal with you according to your word. So he's looking at your words. Because why? Because you're the final authority. The Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. If you're bound today, God says, oh, no, 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 no. I've made you free. Satan's over here going, you're going to be bound forever. So you got one witness and one witness. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. You're the deciding witness. So that's why, as truly as I live, whatever you say in my ears, that's going to be what I allow. I have to because you're siding. Right? In other words, you will have what you say. So if you're walking around saying something contrary to what God's word says, well, you know, I just, I just have little faith. Do you know that, that phrase, little faith, where Jesus would talk about it? In the Greek, it's a short burst of faith. In other words, Peter was in faith when he was walking on the water, and then he got out of faith when he start, started looking at the circumstances. But he obviously got back in faith because he walked back to the boat, right? So this is, this is very, very important. So let's look. Is there another scripture that kind of says this? Yes. Let's go to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12, let's go to verse 36. Matthew chapter 12. Yeah, verse, well, I'm not going to read the whole thing. Let's just go to verse 36. This is, this is, this will help you if you'll grab hold of it. Your, what's coming out of your mouth is either going to produce life or death. It's going to hand you life or it's going to hand you death. Verse 36, but I say unto you that every idle word, an idle word is a useless or an inactive word. It's you're just talking. Be careful about being sarcastic. Be careful about that. Always talking and just kind of messing around. Be careful because, man, you, you don't want to speak idle words. It says... Every idle word that men shall speak, 
they will give an account or a reason in the day of judgment. Now, this is not talking about the judgment seat of Christ. This is literally talking about the day of crisis. So today, that's June 4th. Tomorrow, it'll be June 5th, right? Because we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. If you're speaking idle words, you're going to have to give a reason in the day of crisis. In other words, it's going to mess you up when you get in a crisis because you're used to speaking just out of your flesh, and now you're in a crisis. You need to speak out of your spirit, right? It says here, for by your words, you shall be justified. That word justified means you shall be pardoned and set free. When? In a crisis. So if you have a crisis of health, you'll be pardoned and set free. A crisis financially, a cri any crisis, anything from the enemy, God wants you out of it. He already made you free. He wants you to walk in the freedom, right? For by your words you shall be justified, and by your words you shall be condemned. By your words, you'll be condemned. That means you will be sentenced and incarcerated. That's what that word means. By your words. You know, like Pastor Dave talked about how that Satan accuses believers before the Father, day and night. Do you think Satan is standing before the throne of God accusing you? Are you kidding me? He can never get there. He'll never be there. He will never see heaven again. He'll never see the throne of God again. He, you know, he's not even going to see the white throne. He's just going to be thrown directly into the lake of fire. See you later. Goodbye. Not going to ever think about you again. I might watch the video a couple times because I hate you beyond anything you could even imagine. Right? Never will, I'll never let the sun go down on my anger for Satan. What he does to people, wow, right? But here's the thing. How does he accuse the brethren, the believers, you and I? How does he accuse us before the Father? Because the Father's eyes are upon you. He sees every thought that Satan throws in your mind, and he hears every ridiculous word that you speak out of your mouth. But I'm here to tell you, you can speak the word of God and be pardoned and set free out of everything he ever comes against you with. Wow. So let's go on with this. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 is a powerful scripture. It says this. Let, that word means allow, no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. This word corrupt means something that is rotten and something that is worthless. It, it literally, the Greek word gives you the, the look of it's been putrefied. If you want to know what that is, just, you know, get, get a meal and just uh, leave it on your counter. Or no, actually, go leave it in your garage today. All day. And, and, and then, then open that thing up and just, 
get right down on it and just... And you will understand what this word means. That's what that word means. See, you won't even have to do that now. You're just like, oh my gosh, I was hungry five seconds ago, right? Right? Look at what it says. You never are to allow any corrupt communication. You could say it this way. Don't ever allow your communication to be corrupted. Okay? Don't let it proceed out of your mouth, but what should you say? But that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. Wow. You always want to minister grace to the hearers. Right? If it doesn't minister grace... Don't do it. Right? Grace. I got to say this. There's, a, there's a, a gentleman and his wife that's in our church. They've been here since pretty much since we started. And he brought out something about grace yesterday in the men's Bible study that I have to share with you. So I think I shared it with the women maybe. Um, so the woman with the issue of blood... According to, if you look at the law versus grace, she was deemed unclean according to the law. She could not go out in public because if she went out in public and touched somebody, they would be, under the law, they would be unclean. But then she met Jesus, the God of all grace. And when she under the law, in her, right, uncleanliness, touched the grace of God in Jesus, the unclean was made clean. She didn't make Jesus unclean. He made her clean. And that's what you are to do with your speech. You're to minister grace. If it doesn't minister grace, you don't say it, right? But I bet if I went and talked to all of you, has anybody ever come up to you in church and just said something? No, so here's a big one, guys. Okay, this is for all the guys, and it's actually for all the ladies, too, because you wouldn't want anybody saying this to you. Listen, don't ever walk up to a woman and go, are you upset? Are you, do you look sad today? Because then they go home and they're like three inches away from the mirror going, oh, I got another line and I got, I need more. No, don't do that. Right? If you see some lady who's coming and she's expecting, like she's like really expecting, like any moment, don't walk up to her and start telling her a story about how, oh man, my sister had a 45-hour labor. It was crazy. They had to rent some equipment to pull that baby out of there. Right? You don't want to say that. That's not going to minister grace to her, right? Here's another thing you don't want to say. Here's a big one. Can I really meddle? Let me get into, let's be real serious. You don't ever want to say 
that you're sick when God says you're healed. Here's another one. You don't ever want to say that you're weak when God says you're strong. You don't ever want to say that you can't do something when he says you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Right? You don't ever want to speak contrary to God's word. This is huge. Why is that? Well, let's look at another principle. Man, let's go to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. Let's look at verse 30, or chapter 30, verse 19. You guys doing good today? This is is so life-giving, I pray. Man, I've had some amens, because I come hungry when I preach. I'm like, Lord, I've got ears to hear. And I've been some amen inside of me. I had a couple oh me's, you know, and, and everything, but those are good. Look at, look at what God says here. In Deuteronomy 30, 19, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death. Now, that sounds like, ugh. Guess what they had before this? There was only death. There was no life. I've set before you blessing and cursing, and therefore, just in case you don't know the answer to this one, because I've made it multiple choice, life or death, blessing or cursing, choose life that both you and your seed may live. Wow. Choose life. So see, Jeanette and I, choosing life is going to impact Sarah, David, right? Our grandkids. Isn't that, that's awesome. But what I want you to see here is the difference between walking in the blessing or walking in a curse that you have been redeemed from that has no legal right The difference is disobedience. That's it. Disobedience. Not doing what God tells you to do. He doesn't want you to play with this nonsense. Right? So let's look at, let's go to a major scripture that you got to see before we're getting down to the end of it here. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 18, verse 20. Look at this. A man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth. Wait a minute. I thought a man's belly is satisfied with Benihana. (laughs) Or like roast beef or Wagyu steak or something like that, right? No, no. You know, some people, like with Brussels sprouts, right? I'll, I'll give you a break, right? A man's belly shall be satisfied, how? By the fruit of his lips, what he's saying. And with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. How are you going to be full? By what you say. This word filled has within it satisfied. How how are you going to be satisfied? Well, if my situation just changes, then, boy, don't get into that. 
because Satan will keep that carrot. That situation, if it ever changes, there will be another set. Oh, wait, I need this too, and then I need this, and right? No, no, you're going to be satisfied by what you say. Why is that? Verse 21. Because death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. The power. This word power means, it means power, but the bigger meaning is direction. Death and life are in the direction of your tongue. And this Hebrew word gives you a picture of, it, it literally gives you a picture of a hand. In other words, your tongue is your steering wheel and your tongue will hand you things. So talk your problems, and if you want to know, like, you know, I just, I just need to get together with a good friend and just talk about my problems. Okay, you better get with somebody full of the word that can turn that quick, because if you want to know what that looks like, just go today, just go, if you have a fire pit, just put some wood in there, and then get a gallon of ca gasoline, and just light it. And if you want to know what it's like when you talk about your problems, just start pouring gas on it. Now, be careful. You might not have eyebrows. You probably for sure won't have any hair on your arm anymore, right? Because it's like throwing gasoline on a fire. It never helps. But if you want to be satisfied, you'll speak increase. You'll speak the words of life. So know that your tongue hands you things. So we're in Proverbs. Let's go back to Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 2 says it this way. You are snared with the words of your mouth. You're taken with the words of your mouth. Now we read this under the light of who we are in Christ as New Testament believers, and we realize the enemy is no longer our problem. Our, your problem is not people. It's not your circumstance. It's not anything. It's not Satan. It's not all those demons. Your problem is going to be an inch underneath your nose. It's what you're saying. Because why? You will have what you say. Right? This is, this is so important. So now let's go to Proverbs 21. Let's look at another one. We could probably live here. Verse 23. Look at this. Proverbs 21, 23. Whoso keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps his soul from trouble. You want to get your mind, your will, and your emotions under control? Keep your tongue. Keep your mouth. You want to have peace? You want the turmoil to stop? Keep your tongue. That means guard it. You, you, the spirit man that you are, you tell your tongue what it's going to say. You tell your mouth what it's going to say. Right? It'll keep your soul from trouble. Have you ever had trouble in your soul? To be honest with you, guess what? You only have trouble in your soul. Right? Well, no, pastor, I've got trouble in my physical body. You're going to prosper and you're going to be in health as your soul prospers. James, 
When you implant the word of God in your heart, it brings salvation and wholeness to your soul. So you, guys, you could have what you say. And, and I'm looking at a bunch of people who have been sitting under the word for a long time. Do you know you know about a hundred more times of the word than you think you know? The more you grow in God, the more you think, I don't know anything, right? But the more confidence that you have that he will get everything over to me that I need. See, you guys believe this stuff. So your road to Zoe life, you are already on it. So just make those adjustments. How do you do that? Lord, I'm coming to you today. Oh, mighty Holy Spirit within me and upon me. Man, help me with this. Help me, help me. I'm putting a guard over my lips, but you help me with that. And if there's something I'm saying, reveal it to me, right? And here's the thing. God's not going to reveal it to the person next to you, right? I mean, our wives have a PhD in what we need to say <laughs> as husbands. And we have a PhD in what they need to say as our wives, right? If you would just love me, I would honor you. Well, I would love you if you would honor me. But, you know, I, I mean, it just, it's ridiculous. Just start speaking life. Speak the word of God. Do you realize you have the ability to speak the word of God and hand yourself Zoe life? Wow. Well, I think that's enough.